You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, family. Happy New Year. Good to be here. My name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And today we are talking about uh, relationships. There's going to be a new series here. Uh, But before I tell you about all of the things that are going to be unveiled in the next four weeks, would you just join me in prayer as we start this year and this series and this morning out together? Father God, thank you so much for family. Thank you for newness. Thank you for fresh starts, God, fresh vision, hope, all the things that you bring, God. I pray that this would not be just another one of those things that come and go, but in this new year, God, we would look to you and say, no, this it's more than a resolution. It's more than just another year, but this is the year. The time is now, God. You have brought every single one of us here. You planned it, you purposed it, and you want to meet us in it. And I pray that every bit of the hope, the joy, the fulfillment, the promise, God, you know and are exactly what every single one of us needs. Would you meet us in this new year? And would you start today, God? I pray that you would open up our hearts to whatever you have to speak to us, God. And I pray that we'd be open and receptive and be willing to practice it. In Jesus' name, amen. So relationships, this will be fun. We're starting this new uh, Relationship Goals series. It is on the relationships that matter most. Now, about a month ago, we did a relationships a marriage weekend, which was amazing. Loved being able to come here on Friday night and then most of the day Saturday just to invest in marriages together. And what we said at that time was that this, that weekend was specifically for couples and that this series would be for absolutely everyone. So I hope that you're not checking out. I hope that you're leaning in because whether you are here and married or want to be married or used to be married or uh, not even thinking about marriage at all, this is a series that will be for you. It will be very, very applicable if you are married, but if you're not in a relationship right now, it's not going to be all about that. There's going to be something for every single one of us where we can say, we have relationship goals for all of the relationships that matter in our lives. Now, that term, that this is actually a hashtag, you know, relationship goals. You see it sometimes on Instagram or Twitter. Maybe it's just me on Twitter seeing it. Uh, But most of you, Instagram, maybe Facebook or something. Relationship goals. And what we usually mean by this hashtag is like, I want that, right? Now, I I don't know about you. Uh, Maybe this is a guy thing. I tend to speak in a lot of movie quotes, all right, so when I, when I say I want that, what's, what's happening in my mind is Napoleon Dynamite, all right? Are you with me? There's, there's the lady that sits there, and she looks at that, and she's like, I want that, okay? 
that's the thing. That's, that's what's happening in my mind. Every time I say I want that today, um, I'm thinking about Napoleon Dynamite. Now perhaps you can join me in that um, or, just, or just judge me because of that, whichever one you want to do. But relationship goals are these things that we look at in relationships. Many times, though, on an Instagram or a Facebook, on our social media feed, and we use the hashtag and we say, man, that's it. I want that. I want that. And I'm going to be honest with you, too. Like, I've, I've only been around here for about six months here at Paradox, so we're becoming family. We don't know each other uh, maybe all that well. So I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you a little bit of my story with my wife, Gwen. Our story, because I, I'm going to be honest with you, I think it's a pretty cool story. I think it's good. And, uh, and some people might even look at it and say, you know what? I want that. That's a relationship goal. So uh, going way, way back here, uh, hang with me for a second, all right? I, I promise it won't be all gooey and mushy and everything like that, but it is nice. Going way back to high school, all right? Um, I met this girl named Gwen, and she was a lot of fun. We had, we, we had fun together. It's like we joked around together. We'd get in fights, like physical fights. She's a black, uh, brown belt in karate, and so I didn't win them. Um, but <laughs> she could, she would take me and it was, we just had fun, man. It was, it was really, really great. We, we could tell the kinds of jokes where it was like, you know, someday instead of cutting the cake at your wedding, what if you cut the cheese? Like you just had a cheese block there and you could just slice right into that. Sorry. But that was, that's our relationship, all right? It doesn't have to be yours. Okay. Maybe you're like, I do, I do not want that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we became best friends pretty quickly in high school and um, it was great. Like, we had this really solid, really fun relationship. And here's the greatest thing about it. Um, I, was, I was a Christian. I grew up in the church. But Gwen, really and truly, like, in so many ways, I looked at her. And the more I got to know her, the more I was like, she's a Christian in a different way than I feel like I'm a Christian. Like, she actually makes me want to know Jesus more and follow him. And I started getting involved in her church and, and getting, uh, getting involved. And I, I learned... This church, man, they let me stand up here on stage and, like, literally learn how to play the guitar. Uh, that was, it was a small church, and uh, it, was, it was super cool. But Gwen made me want to follow Jesus more. And then in college, we actually started just, I don't know, um, I don't, I, I, I'll just say I. I started having different thoughts about my friend Gwen, all right? Um, and I was reading this book at the time. It was, it's cheesy, all right? This is like the early 2000s. It's called When God Writes Your Love Story. Oh, it was so romantic. Talk about relationship goals and everything, right? And one of the things that this dude that wrote the book with his wife did is like he would write these letters to his future, his future spouse. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Relationship goals. I want that, right? So I started writing these. I, I bought a journal. And I started writing these little letters to future spouse. And, and that's how I would write it. I would be like, dear bride, or something like that, you know. Um, I love you. Here's all the things you are. This is what I'm praying for for you. Um, and then I remember the day when these thoughts, these feelings started changing, and I became convinced. This is the first time that I would ever even say, like, I, I felt like God was saying something. And I remember the day that in that journal, before we were not dating, we had never talked about this, but I began to write, Dear Gwen, Dear Gwen. And for, then for days and weeks and months, that is what I would write. And I became more and more convinced that I was writing these letters to my future spouse, who was, in fact, my best friend, Gwen. 
And eventually, I became so convinced of that, this is where it gets crazy and maybe even a little bit weird, all right? This is, again, all right, this is not prescriptive. You don't have to do it this way. Probably not, but I'm just telling you. I'm reporting facts, all right? Uh, I became so convinced that I went to her dad and told him this. I don't, there's a certain level of naivety, I don't, I don't know, stupidity, that I think you have to... I don't understand what drove my little 21, 22-year-old self to be like, I'm going to go and talk to her dad before we were dating. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. I sat down and, and I, I said, I believe that God told me that I'm going to marry your daughter. <laughs> okay. it, I'm telling you, craziness. Even crazier, though, and this is the crazy, this is, this is the God kind of crazy, because he looked back at me and said, I know. <laughs> right? Yeah, I promise you, this is not a cult. I'm just telling you this story, okay? <laughs> I promise. So uh, I'm sitting there with Gwen's dad, and I'm like, well, what should I do? And uh, he looked back at me, and he said, you should probably talk to her about that. <laughs> good advice. This is good advice. So I don't, again, I don't, I wish I could go back and, and figure out how this conversation started, but we were sitting there, I remember, we were sitting there probably around 2001, uh, 2002, and we're watching Survivor, all right? Since then, just plug, we have never missed an episode of Survivor. It's our show, all right? It's the best show there is, the only show there is. Um, but we're watching Survivor, and I remember at one point having this conversation with my friend about how maybe, you know, I had these relationship goals and there was the kind of girl that I wanted to marry and actually, maybe, um, she was the person that I wanted to marry. And in a crazy God way, my friend Gwen said that she felt the same way. And so it was maybe the next day or the next week, I can't remember, Gwen's the rememberer in our, of dates. In our, it was the next day. Um, I asked her if we could, you know, like um, go to dinner and stuff and maybe I would even like pay. <laughs> Gwen's like, like a date? I said, yeah, like a date. So uh, we did, we went on our first date that day and from the very beginning of our relationship, um, there was just this knowledge and this understanding that this wasn't just any relationship, that this relationship was going somewhere, that we were going to be getting married. And um, that's, again, that's how it happened for us. And maybe some of you are, are absolutely sickened by that or terrified <laughs> by that, but maybe others of you are going, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing. Like, there's something in you that resonates. You're like, I want that. But I want to tell you something, all right? I told you some really nice things about our relationship and me specifically in this. Um, sometimes when we say, I want that, the that isn't quite what it looks like. And it's not always real because many times we say, I want that, but we don't really know what that actually is. I want to show you a picture of the Dave that was doing all of these things way back in the early 2000s. It's going to show up. Um, there is Romantic Dave. If your eyes will go up, there it is. Notice that some sort of rodent has built something on the top of my head. Um, or a bird is living there. I, 
Back in college, I had these, these images that I was going to be like a punk rocker with the long hair and, you know, like it could do that and everything. But that didn't happen for me. Um, it just got really, really curly. And so I wish I could say this was middle school. In college, I would, I would go into the bathroom and like get it really wet so that it wasn't curly and it would just be like flat on my head and everything. And I, this is how you know it's a miracle because somewhere in the middle of that, I was able to land Gwen, right? <laughs> that actually happened. Sometimes I want that isn't all that it's cracked up to be. I'll tell you the truth about the journal. There's a lot of really nice things written in there, but there's a whole lot of painful pages written in there too. There was a whole lot of challenges. There were times when I had to write in, the, in, the, in that journal, I messed up. It's not the relationship goal. We had to have conversations. There were tears involved. There were sad, hard, painful parts and chapters in our story together. I'll give you another piece of, piece of information. I'm not a treat to live with, surprisingly. <laughs> I'm really not. Um, I can get angry. I, I settle for things looking clean and not actually being clean. There's a difference, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm also, I put those two things together. I am an angry cleaner. Anyone else? An angry cleaner. Okay. There is no, if, if I'm like furiously walking around the house or running, cleaning things, organizing things, you know, like I am furious. That's why I'm furiously cleaning. Um, there are things that I refuse to learn how to do because I don't feel like I have to. You know, so, so I'm no treat necessary to live with. And I'll, I'll tell you something, you know what? Uh, Gwen is not either. Don't let her fool you, okay? Gwen is not either. She, get this, leaves the cupboards open. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got. But <laughs> that's about it. Needless to say, though, right, some people, you, you might be tempted to look at our relationship or any relationship, the pictures that you see on Instagram, and go, that, that's my relationship goals. I want that. But what is that? Do we really know it? Do we really see it? There are challenges. There are intense conversations that happen in every single relationship. And we look at those things. And we say, I want that. And let me tell you something. I'm not going to say we shouldn't be doing that. In fact, I think that's a really good thing. I think it's a really good thing, actually, that we would look at relationships and pictures and say, yeah, that's what I want. I, I, I want that as a relationship goal. Why? Because it reveals that we want something more. We want something better. We have, as my friend and pastor Jordan Ogden would say, a high vision for our relationships. Who hasn't looked at like friends that go way back to, to kindergarten and go like, man, I want that. There's something in us that goes, man, I, like that's friendship. That's real. That's good. Or we look at, at a marriage and go, yeah, they, they've got something that I want. It all goes back to this idea that, that it's good to have relationship goals. When it, gets, when it gets murky is when we start looking at other people or other stories and going, they... That's, that is the only portrait. It's all perfect. Because when we start doing that, then we start feeling really, really frustrated that ours doesn't look perfect like that all the time, right? We think that we're the only ones or that we're never going to have that in our life. 
it's good to have goals, but I want us to have better goals. As a church family, what are our relationship goals when it comes to the most important relationships in our life? Over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to talk about four relationship goals. The first one is this, and I'm going to invite you all to say it with me because then we're really going to own it, all right? First one is this, for better or worse. Yeah, that means that we stick it through. We're going to be talking about that in a few weeks. Here's the second one, having a wingman. Just say wingman. Yeah, that's not Buffalo Wild Wings. It's somebody that's got your back, that's looking out for you, that's helping you. We want to be people that have a wingman. And then we're going to be people that ask this dreaded question, where is this relationship going? Everybody say going. We'll just do that. Going. It's going to be going somewhere. Again, some of these are intended to not just be like uh, what you think they are. It's going to be a little bit provocative, including today when we're going to be talking about finding your soulmate Let me tell you, finding your soulmate is not what you might think that it is. Your soulmate is not the person that you think that it might be. No, the soulmate is actually someone in something very different. It is about having Christ-centered relationships. Because Jesus Christ is the soulmate, the only soulmate that we need, that we'll ever have, the only one that completes us. There's this myth, right? This myth going around that a soulmate is like finding the one. You've had, you've had bad relationships before. You have friends let you down, and then you find like the one. It's like, oh, my, lights from heaven, angel choirs sing, and everything's going to be perfect because you've found the one. I'm going to tell you that's not really true. It's not about finding the one. It's not about looking for this person out there that's going to complete you. And your life is going to be, no, 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 you're complete, all right? Single is a whole number, and it's good. It's good, yeah. We don't need to be completed by some, sorry, Jerry Maguire, sorry, Tom, it's like, that's not true. We don't need to be completed. It's not about meeting the one, but it's about someone else becoming the two. Because you've got a one, and your one is Jesus, Jesus is, Jesus is the soulmate. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one that completes us. But how do we find the two, the helper, the partner in these relationship goals that we've been talking about? In Genesis 2, that's exactly what happens. And we see some of these things already hinted at, picking up in verse 18 when it says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. We'll make a helper for him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him, no one that would help him on his mission, no one that could be his wingman to help him and hold him accountable to things There was no one for him to live and keep promises with. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 
They shall become one. The two people become one. It's not about finding the one. This is about two people becoming one. And how do we become one? Jesus puts us together. When our, when our relationship is Christ-centered, it's at the foundation, become one. Now, I know, like, it's, I'm throwing out this word Christ-centered, right? And it's easy for us to think, oh, yeah, Christ-centered, right? Um, I got married in a church, Christ-centered. We go to church, Christ-centered. We both believe in God. We both call ourselves Christians, Christ-centered. Let me just share, just because you went to church does not mean that you are Christ-centered. In fact, I would argue that anything that you do one hour a week would not constitute the center of your life. At least I hope not. That'd be kind of crazy. Just because of all these other things doesn't mean that you are Christ-centered. Instead, when I think of the word center, centered, it is the thing. Like right now, I am on its center stage, front and center the center of attention for many of you, maybe not all. When I think of center, it's that. It's the thing that my eyes are locked on. It's the thing that I'm paying most attention to. I actually have this verse. Uh, I shared, I don't know if you were following along on, uh, on our Facebook page. Last week, we put up a little video just kind of encouraging everybody to, say, to go to God and not come up with a resolution and say, like, this is what I'm going to do this year, but just go to him and say, like, what do you have for me this year? What are you doing in this year? We call it roles and goals. And as I worked over this process personally this past, uh, this past week, um, I, I thought it was one thing. I actually even said it in the video. I said, this year is about finding my focus. And the crazy thing is that as I sat down to find my focus, I feel like God gave me a focus, which was weird. Every single time I opened up the Bible, every time I wrote down a plan or a prayer, it was like this word joy kept coming back to mind. And I was like, wow, this sounds good. And I had this real sense that like God was going to make this year fun again. We were going to have, some, you know, ready to have some fun again in life? Like life is good. And I, I felt like God was saying, I want you to enjoy life this year. There's goodness out there. But he led me to this verse, one verse in particular, and it's found in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And it says this. I wanted to share it with you today because it has a whole lot to do with being Christ-centered and finding your focus in life. Hebrews 12, starting out in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Other translations say, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him was able to endure and run, and not grow weary. That fixing of our eyes has everything to do with everything else. When, where, because where you look has everything to do with where you go, right? You ever been walking somewhere and not looking? You run into a wall. You look like a fool. Something like that. You hope that nobody saw it, or you, know, you just play it up like you meant to do that somehow. 
Where you're looking has everything to do with where you're going. And where you go then begins to impact the results that you see in your life. And the results that you see in your life have a very large impact on the feelings that you have about your life, about yourself, about your situation. And it all goes back to this idea of fixing our eyes on something, centering our lives around something. Your life is centered around something for every single one of us. I can, talk, I can talk, sit up here and talk about being Christ-centered. You're like, ah, I don't know about that. Every one of us is centered on or around something or someone. Perhaps for some of us today, we are self-centered. Or you know someone that's self-centered, right? We all know someone that's self-centered. They are the center of their lives, their preferences, their desires, self-centered. Others of us, especially if we're here today, maybe you're in a relationship, a marriage, and you are kids-centered, right? Everything about your schedule revolves around them. When you sit down to watch TV, it's only My Little Ponies, right? Kids-centered. That's all that ever happens around our house sometimes. Uh, it's not My Little Pony. I, I don't know all the ponies that I see. There's a lot of ponies, all right? They're pony-centered in our home. <laughs> Kid-centered. You can be self-centered. For some of us, really and truly, if we get honest, we are money-centered in our lives. Travel-centered. Career-centered. For some of us, you could even be relationship-centered. The other person. Or sex-centered. It is that thing, the thing that's front and center, right in front of you, more important than anything else, that informs your decisions, where you go, how you feel, whether or not you have it. The center of your life, the center of your relationship drives your values and your beliefs. Whatever that center is, that's where you go. That's what you do. That's how you feel. The center influences your actions. It influences your decisions. And ultimately, whatever you put at the center of your life and relationship will determine the impact that you have and the influence that you have on everyone and everything around you. What is at the center of your life and your relationship is the difference between making a difference and having fulfillment or not. The degree to which you make a difference, the degree to which you are fulfilled in life, depends entirely about on what you put at the center of your life and the difference that you make and the fulfillment that you have in a relationship depends entirely on what you put at the center of that relationship. There are some things that you can put at the center of a relationship that are very, very limiting. It will limit the impacts that you have. It will limit the fulfillment that you're able to have because it turns out being self-centered is pretty limiting. You can just focus on yourself and then be done. It's actually not all that fulfilling to be self-centered. No. We don't want to be that. We have relationship goals. We want to put someone, something else at the center, and it's not another person. 
It's not kids. The only one that it can be that will lead you into lasting influence, impact, mission, joy, fulfillment is when we say, you know what? I want to make Jesus the center of my life first and my relationship second. Every single relationship second. Check out what Jesus says in Matthew 20, 22. Puts it this way. If I can find it. It says, this is the greatest commandment that there is. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second is relational. The first one is about being centered. You want to have joy? You want to have fulfillment? You want to make a difference? What's at the center of your life? What do you love with everything that you have? What do you want more of? What drives your values, impacts your decisions, influences your attitude and your feelings on a daily basis? What is the thing that you fixed your eyes on that is front and center in your life? Is it a person? Is it you? Is it something? Or is it Jesus? When it's Christ-centered, Jesus is the one that drives our beliefs. Jesus is the one that informs our decisions. Jesus is the one that ultimately decides our actions. You want to have a Christ-centered relationship in the future? The only way to do that is by, having, by living Christ-centered today. You say it again. You want to have a Christ-centered relationship in the future. There's joy and mission and accountability and fulfillment and good things, the kinds of things that people look at and go, yeah, that's relationship goal. I want that. The only way to do that is by living Christ-centered today. Now, a lot of people will do this, right? They'll say, I want that someday, right? Someday, I'll find the one. We'll start getting, pe- getting together, and, and you know, like then we'll, we'll go to church, maybe even when we have kids. We'll start figuring it out. But right now, I just want to do my thing, right? I'm just going to do my thing now, and then someday I'll get to that. Let me tell you, honestly, your thing is very often sin, okay? I found that in my life when I'm going, no, 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 I'm not going to do the God thing right now. I'm going to do my thing, my way, my timing. That's usually something that's sin, and sin does not lead to joy, fulfillment, life, impact, influence. It's not in relationship goals, Nobody looks at the results of that and goes, yeah, I want that. No, in fact, it's quite the opposite. You don't have to wait to start living a Christ-centered life. You don't build a life of righteousness, a life of relationship goals in the future on a foundation of sin today. What I'm saying is if you want that in the future, then start living that today. If you want that someday with someone, then start living that today, even if you don't know them, even if they're not in your life. That relationship goal is well within reach, wherever you are, wherever you are. I know some of us were in really hard relational circumstances, really hard ones. Maybe you're like, man, you don't even understand married and and it's hard and and my spouse may not even be interested in that. Wherever you are, take that step today. Take the first step today. Whatever's right in front of you. It doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be perfect. 
It might not look and feel immediately like you want it to, but there is one step that you could take and go, you know what, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to do this action today to make Christ the center of my life. And I pray that as it becomes more and more the center of my life, that's going to bleed out into every relationship that I have, both present and future and even the hard ones, even difficult marriages. I'm going to do one step, one thing right now by taking the step in front of me. So how do you do that? How do you become Christ-centered? How do you fix your eyes on Jesus? There's a whole lot of things. If I went around the room and I said, like, all right, well, how do you do all this? We could say, it's like, all right, go to church, read your Bible, uh, serve together, um, you know, like, go love your neighbors and go on a mission trip. All of these things, you'd say, yeah, that's that's Christ-centered. But if I give you a bunch of things to do, um, you're not going to do any of them. That's just the truth, because I know it's true for me too, right? You get, you get a list of 20 things to do, none of them are happening. So I want to give you one thing. One thing to do. If you want to live Christ-centered, if you want Christ-centered relationship, do this one thing, because on it, I think everything, it is the one thing that will lead you to the highest impact. And on, on it, everything else hangs, and it is this. Pray together. Pray together. That's it. That's the one thing that I'm going to say today is pray together daily. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't do that. Don't. I know, right? I'm a pastor. It's like, we, don't we pray all the time at home? You know, it's like, yes, we do. But this is one of those areas where it's like, I, I see the fruit. I see when we do it, it's good. It's really good. I wish we did it more often. We have vision for it. It is a relationship goal. I want to do it, but we don't do it every single day. Why? Well, some of you would say, well, that's, it's, it's too personal, right? It feels weird. Guess what? It does. I don't know that that goes away. It is personal. It is intimate. It sometimes can be awkward. I would be willing to say that if you're in a relationship, it's not the only personal, intimate, and awkward thing that goes on in your relationship, okay? There are many personal, intimate, awkward things that we do, what's on your mind right now, and maybe even, if you've been in the relationship long enough, going to the bathroom in front of one another. It happens sometimes, all right? Very personal, but it happens, okay? My point is to say this, just because some of, some of the childish among us are snickering right now. For that, I thank you for not making me feel alone, okay? <laughs> Here's my point, though. Just because something is personal, just because something is intimate, or it can feel weird at first, does not mean that we should not do it. It's personal. I would, I would even say, I would argue that that's what makes it so powerful, that's what makes it so important in our life. Which brings me to the second thing, and this is why more often than not, it doesn't happen in, in my life and in our relationship and in our home, because it's hard. It's hard to do. And I believe that there is a reason that it's hard to do, and that is because you have an enemy that wants you to not have an impact, not have joy, not have fulfillment in your, in your marriage. And if I were that enemy, th- this part Making Christ the center of your relationship by praying together daily is the one thing that I would attack. Why? Because it's pretty hard 
to hate somebody else when you're praying with them, when you're praying for them. It's pretty hard to continue to berate them, belittle them, or be in an argument with them when you are praying for and encouraging them at the same time. Can't happen. It's pretty hard, honestly, to be looking at other people or looking at other websites, to be involved in addictive behavior when you are praying with and for your spouse or the person that you are in a relationship with. It's hard to do those things. So, if our enemy can keep us away from that, pretty good bet that he can get us into all the other stuff. If we're not focused on Jesus together, he can get us to focus on the irritation. He can get us to focus on their lack, our own incompleteness, our own desires. How do we counterattack? By focusing instead on Jesus, by fixing our eyes together, by running towards him, by making Jesus the center of our lives and our relationships, whatever they are. How do we do that? How do we become Christ-centered? How do we pray together daily, even though it's hard and it's personal? I want to go back to Genesis. This is actually the way, right? When it says the two become one, how do the two become one? Because God puts them together. They have a common source, and their common source is Jesus. It is the way that your relationship goals happen. Everything that you look at and go, I want that, is found when two people become one in Jesus, with Christ at the center. So, if you're like me, if you want that, if you have this as a relationship goal, yeah, I want my relationship to be Christ-centered. I want to live a Christ-centered life. How do you do that when it's so hard? Well, I'm going to give you four pretty easy things, all right? No, 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 I'll scratch that. I think they're hard things, but they're simple things. Simple thing number one, keep it short, okay? You want to pray together daily? Keep it short. I should follow my own advice more, right? I, I, man, like, listen, y'all don't have to sit down together and be like, all right, let's schedule an hour together. If you're doing this, great relationship goal for me, okay? But maybe you just need to say, I'm on my way out the door. Let's take a minute. I mean, seriously, what, if, what, what would it look like if this year, in 2020, you said, we're committing to praying together for 60 seconds. I'll take the first 30, you take the second. I'll dial, you hang up. 30 seconds. That's it. Just a text message to God, all right? Keep it short. I'm an all-or-nothing person. Man, if we're not going to sit down for the half an hour, no, no, no. Keep it short. Something is better than nothing. Start where you are, 30 seconds each. Commit to praying together daily and keeping it short. Here's the second thing. Keep it consistent. What does this mean? It means that if you didn't do it yesterday, do it today. It means that just because the week isn't perfect and you're not going to continue your streak doesn't mean that you're a failure and there's no hope for your relationship and that you just shouldn't bother with the other six days of the week. No, keep it consistent. You miss a day? No big deal. Do it again today. You miss tomorrow? No worries. Do it again. Try to do it today and try to do it tomorrow. That's it. It's not too late to start. It doesn't matter if it's imperfect. Keep it short. Keep it consistent. Keep it before something. Before something, and you can keep it before anything. Uh, often Gwen and I have said, you know what we want to do is we want to make it the first thing that we do before we get out of bed. Keep it before that. Maybe you make it before a meal. 
Or maybe you make it before you go to bed. Whatever that is, just keep it before something. That's how habits actually happen, right? You have this trigger. It's like, oh, it's about time for me to go to, to, go to bed. What are we going to do? We're going to pray together. One minute. Sit down. Do that. And then here's, here's number four. Keep it simple. Just keep it simple, right? This is a hard thing that very few of us have ever actually done or felt successful in and definitely not ever had shown to us. Because it's that personal, weird, awkward thing, right? You can't pray with other people. So none of us have ever seen it. So just keep it simple. Here are some, here are some ideas that honestly will probably f- feel sacrilegious to you. You could write down a prayer, right? You could write it down on a piece of paper, and in those 30 seconds that you pray together, take it out and go like this. Dear God, I pray for my wife today that she would blank, and be done. You'd say, I don't know what I would pray for. Here's the second revolutionary concept. You could ask. (laughs) You could ask. I do that. Why? Because I don't know what to pray. I I mean, seriously, like, isn't that the most dude thing ever? Like, I don't know what's going on. People ask me sometimes, how's Gwen? I'm like, I think she's good. (laughs) Just ask. Hey, babe, I want to do this prayer thing, all right? You'll probably get a point there. So I'm, writing it, I'm writing down a prayer for you. Two points. What can I pray? Look at you go, right? Seriously, like, it's, it, it can be that simple, right? If you don't know, ask. Now, some of you are like, oh, I thought this wasn't supposed to be all be about married. If you're not married, again, like, here's the first thing. If you're single... Yeah. If, if having a relationship is one of your relationship goals and having a Christ-centered relationship is one of your relationship goals, which I hope and pray that it is, start praying that now. Pray for your future relationship. Pray for your future spouse. Pray for the people that, that may come into your life. Write those things down. Give it to them. You know? But here's the other thing that you can do. You can pray for all the meaningful relationships in your life. I mean, yeah, should you pray together if you're married? Yes. But what if this was the year that you said, you know what? I'm praying for my kids. I'm going to commit to doing that every day, a minute. I'm going to ask them, how can I pray for you? What if you got crazy and asked your friends or your coworkers or your neighbors, your other family members? I I don't know. You could develop a, a prayer calendar. I saw somebody on Facebook post that they have a prayer calendar. They're writing down names. They posted this and and like people all over the place are like, oh, this is such a cool idea. I want prayer. I want prayer. People actually want to be prayed for. It's crazy. And this is one way that you can show love and communicate value and care and actually begin to change someone's life. If you would just say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you today. I'm going to make it a part of my life every single day. I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it consistent. I'm going to keep it simple. But that that builds a foundation in your relationships that's hard to break. That is the thing that you're able to stand on when the challenges come. This is typically when we want to be Christ-centered and start praying, right? When we're in a challenging spot. And that's good. That's good. You know what's great? is when you build a foundation by making Christ the center now. And that way, when the challenge comes, when the storm hits, 
when you get to the worst part of for better or worse, then you're able to stand together on Christ, the solid rock who brought you together and is at the center and is never changing and never going away anyway. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7. I love this part. Matthew 7. Hold it. Hold it. No, no, no. Matthew 14, 8, 9, 10. <laughs> it can be difficult up here sometimes. All right, Matthew 7. I was right. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. I, I love that this is not a if the storm comes. You know, pray and if the storm, no, no, no. When the rains come, when the waters rise, when the wind is pounding against the house, it didn't fall. That's what you're doing when you're standing together on a rock. When you've centered your relationships in Jesus, you know how to stand together. You don't fall. I'm gonna invite Gwen forward and have her pray that over every single one of us, every single relationship, no matter where those relationships are at today, every single marriage, soon-to-be marriage, hopeful marriage, and every relationship, every friendship, every small group here today, every person that has a heart for your neighborhood, your kids, I pray that we would be people that pray and make Christ the center today. Would you join me in praying, Gwen? So God, we just thank you so much that you're a God who hears us, that you care about what we say. Um, and God, I just pray that each of us would have the faith to believe that, that you actually care about the things that we say, the things that we bring to you, whether we pray for one minute or 20 minutes, whether we pray for 15 seconds or five hours. Thank you that you're a God who hears. And I just pray for every person here today. God, would you show us the step that we take into that? Um, I pray that... Um, anyone who's married here today, God, that you would just, I pray that that would become a habit, that we would pray together regularly, that we would keep it simple. Um, I pray that people would see fruit from that. And I pray for anyone here who's single. Um, I pray that they would look to you and they would pray for the most important relationships in their life, that they would pray for um, future relationships that come in their life. And God, I just pray that as we do that, we would just see your heart for us even more, that you do hear, that you care. Um, and I pray that as we do, we'd even hear you speaking back to us. Thank you that you're a God who speaks and that you want to speak and that you want us to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, before we move into our final moments here, I just want to say, like, I know for the last, I don't know, however many minutes, I've been talking about Christ-centered relationships and there's plenty of us here today that would say, I'm Christ-centered. I'm not there. I don't have that. I don't, how can I be Christ-centered in my relationships if I'm not Christ-centered myself? First of all, I want to say, we're glad you're here. God is working in your life. God is the one that's drawing you. Maybe even, even the reasons that you're here today you're dragged, maybe things aren't so good, maybe you're in one of those storms and you feel like the winds are just beating down on your house. 
That is God pursuing a relationship with you. You are God's relationship goal. It is you are at the center of his heart. Love for you is what drives every single decision he's ever made. It is what drives his every thought, is longing to be in relationship with you. Yes, you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter when that was, you are God's relationship goal. It's why Jesus came to earth. It is what, remember, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He was able to go to great lengths. He was able to suffer. Why? Because there was joy set before him. And do you know what that joy was? It was relationship with you. That is the joy of God's heart. And if you've never known that, if you've never felt that, if you've never experienced that today, I want to invite you to make today the day. You don't have to wait. You can make Christ the center of your life today. And it can be as simple as this just stopping and praying and saying, Jesus, I know that you came to earth and died on the cross for me. Because I was doing my own thing. You were not the center of my life. And in the process, I made a mess of my own life and so many other things. But would you change that today? Would you be the center today? Show me what that looks like. Amen. I promise you, if you do that, when you do that, Jesus becomes the center. And there's so much meaning. There's so much joy. There's so much fulfillment and healing that is available in that relationship. So many of us are looking to every other relationship out there. When your soulmate is Jesus, we're about to take communion. And that's exactly what we remember. That's exactly what we proclaim when we do that. I want to say if you're somebody that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if you've ever prayed that prayer, even if today was the first time, you are welcome to come forward and join us in communion as we proclaim that that is exactly what happened. Jesus wanted a relationship with us so much that he sent himself, Jesus, to die in our place so that we could have that relationship. As you feel ready, the band is going to be singing a song. I want to invite you. There's two places here in the front. You could come forward, grab the bread, dip it in the grape juice, and then eat that as you're ready. There's also a station or two in the back. If you want prayer for anything, let one of the people that are up here pray with you. We would love to do that. If you prayed today, and today is the first day of that relationship, let someone know. Tell the person that you're praying with. Write that down on your Connect card. We would love to celebrate with you and help you grow in that relationship. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.